No Sudden Move. This is the latest film from Steven Soderbergh. I really love the, like, I never know when this guy's going to come out with a new movie. I always feel like I'm the last one to know. Other people are like, yeah, John, we knew Soderbergh was making this movie in like 2016. And I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah. But no, I mean, this one, I literally like two weeks ago, I just saw like, oh, he's making another movie. I, okay. Well, well, the last one was Let Them All Talk, right? Which yes, fun movie. I, I, I solid all. Yeah, around. I mean, I know you were kind of mixed on it when we talked about mixed, it initially, yeah. but mixed I, to positive, I did like though. it. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it at the time, and I've grown to like it more in retrospect. I think it's a solid film. I don't think it quite reaches its heights, but uh, I I do think he tends to to make more good films than bads. His uh, his uh, misses are certainly more the exception than the rule. But yeah. for me, um, I, I tend to follow his career as far as like, I know when he's making stuff, but I never know like when they're coming out until like shortly there before. So like, I, I was kind of with you in that, like I knew about this film, I knew that he was making it in like 2019 and then end up shooting it in 2020, but I didn't know like what the, the timeline was. And then just they're like, oh, it's, uh, here you go. It's coming out in early July. And it's just like, well, what? Like, I didn't know this was already completed, but knowing Soderbergh, I mean, he turns them around very, very fast. I do want to say this is his second HBO Max film of three that he has arranged. Uh, The next one's called Kimmy. I don't know when that's coming out, but I know Zoe Kravitz is in that. So we'll see how that turns out. But Let Them All Talk, that was another HBO Max one. And before that you know he's kind of like it's like every other movie it feels like because that you know i didn't like let them all talk as much as you did i really like no sudden move so i'm I'm getting ready to talk about that but then before mm-hmm. that he has laundromat i'm like ah but then high flying bird loved yeah. high flying bird really that liked good. that movie then logan lucky well unsane but then mm-hmm. logan lucky i hadn't seen unsane but you saw that one yeah, Unsane was pretty good. I liked High Flying Bird. Laundry Mat was the one one of his rare like misses for me. It just Oof, I, that I, was a I rough think, one. I think that was just one of those rare times where his grasp exceeded his reach. He just didn't quite he didn't quite capture it. There's moments in there I think are that are good, but on the whole I think it's it's more of a miss than a hit, which is a shame. But I do like Logan Lucky a good bit. I think that's quite a bit. I of fun. do too. Ages well. You know, another Riley Keough film, of course, but another performance from her that I really like. I'll say with with Soderbergh, I always I always hope that one of his movies is going to be one of the really good ones. You know, like for me, the really good ones are like Magic Mike and Ocean's Eleven. You know, the obvious ones, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, every once in a while, he just comes like the Girlfriend Experience, Contagion. He just comes out with something that's like, oh man, yeah, Soderbergh, he's the man. Yeah. But then a couple movies come out, yeah. and you're like, ah, yeah, it's all right. Or you know, eh, this is, yeah. But the, with No Sudden Move, I am super into this movie, which stars. Gosh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle's mm-hmm. the star of this movie. I mean, it's kind yep. of playing itself up as a two-hander, more of an ensemble, but this is Don Cheadle's movie, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, it's him reuniting with Don Cheadle and uh, Benicio Del Toro, because I don't think he's worked with either of them in a good while. I don't think he's worked with Don Cheadle since the Oceans movies, and then I don't know if he's done anything with uh, Benicio Del Toro since uh, Che. That was like not over. That, like, yeah, not that it yeah. comes to mind. And he likes so, to bring actors back for sure. So it's, right. you know, it's not a surprise to see them. But yeah, it does feel kind of like it's been a while because the Chain movies, those are a while back. Um, yeah, that was like 2008 or something. 2009. Yeah, two, yeah 2008, I think. Yeah, you're right. But uh, both of them. But yeah, so No Sudden Move, like you've already alluded, Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, they're kind of like the two main characters here. But we also have David Harbour, John Hamm. Amy Simetz, Brendan Fraser, Kieran Culkin, Noah Jupe. 
Julia Fox, Ray Liotta, the legendary Bill Duke, Craig Grant, I think in his last, I think this is his last movie um, because he passed away. Yeah. This cast, uh, Frankie Shaw, almost forgot Frankie Shaw. Mm-hmm. This this cast is like when I was watching this movie and it started because I went into this completely fresh. The only thing I knew was that Don Cheadle and Benicia del Toro were in it, and it was Steven Soderbergh. And I only knew that because of the thumbnail. Like that's kind of what I went in knowing. I also had a vague idea that it might be like a heist movie, but I don't think that really is what this ultimately is. But yeah, when that movie starts, when this movie starts, and like mm-hmm. it goes through the cast, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, okay. This is one of those uh, movies where I'm going to be like, uh, meme where your like face gets more and more animated as it goes along. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the family guy meme where I was like, Oh, 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 it's like that. But none sure. of the like sad ones. Yeah. I think the Vince McMahon meme is more fitting, but I know you don't watch wrestling, so it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I had, I had to so, put my own spin on it. Yeah. Sorry. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was more familiar with the cast, but the big thing for me was just like, it's Brendan Fraser, baby. And I knew he wasn't the lead, but it's like, Brendan's back. I know he's on Doom Patrol and stuff, but I haven't watched it. Yeah. So it's just like... I almost didn't recognize him. He shows up early in the film, but I was like, wait, what? I know that man. Yeah. Well, that's what's exciting for me watching Brendan Fraser in this movie is that like, it feels like it's the next phase of his career. Like Hollywood's finally accepting him again. He's going to do like the new Darren Aronofsky movie. I think he's the lead of it. And uh, it just feels like he's kind of in this like character actor mode of his career, which feels very exciting. And uh, I'm, I'm certainly welcoming it with open arms. So very happy to see him in this film. And I think he's quite good in it. Yeah, he, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, he has like a cameo in uh, the G.I. Joe movie. I think that's the last movie I kind of remember from him. Because I, I think he voiced, he voiced an animated character in like one of those like DreamWorks Sony films. I forget which one. And uh, I think was he, he was in the shelter, huh? Oh yeah, that's right. Was he in the nut job? Was it the nut job? He voiced a character. Yeah. I think you're. I think that was it. Yeah, mm-hmm. with uh, Gabriel Glacius and uh, Will Arnett and all them. If you say but, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it's been a while. I was like Catherine seven Heigl. years ago. I want to say. Yeah. Um, I think like the last like bigish movie. I think I where he was like the lead. I think was Escape from Planet Earth. Do you remember that movie? It was, I think it was the sequel yeah. to Journey to the Center of the Earth. Well, who could forget Furry Vengeance, which, um, you know, was a film that uh, I think has been forgotten in the laurels of cinema and probably for good reason. Well, Furry uh, Vengeance, that was before uh, Escape from Planet Earth. Because Furry Vengeance, the, that that's was like 2010, 2011. I yeah, think. but Escape from Planet Earth is an animated film. I'm talking just like live action. He was a uh, lead. I see, I in, see like, what you're fr- saying. Yeah, yeah. Like in Furry Vengeance, then is it Extraordinary Measures, the movie he did with Harrison Ford? I think that was like the same year. Yeah, it's also... around the same time. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Russell's in that movie too, right? Sure. But um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember I that remember. movie. <laughs> I don't remember Extraordinary Measures at all. And I've tried to forget Furry Vengeance over the years. But mm-hmm. the one thing I do remember about both films is that was like, that was like the end of Brendan Fraser, the star of movies, period. Then, like you say, he did like animated work. Then he like disappeared for a while, and then people were like, "Where's Brendan Fraser?" And you know, like we were seeing these like photos, and it was sad. And then there was like that really sad article with him, and then like Doom Patrol kind of brought him back, and now he's like doing movies again. And it's just like, yes, he's back. We love to see it, and I mean, yeah. I hope it, it leads to a very proactive second phase of his career. Technically, he was uh, before Doom Patrol. He was already 
that character, but I think just the voice of that character in that other DC show, Titans, I think he had like, sure. a, he was in an episode about the Doom Patrol and then they turned that into a show and that's when Doom Patrol like kind of took off. Because I think that show, it's still going on. That show for sure has been getting like really good notices of like, oh, hey, you gotta, you gotta watch Doom Patrol. Have you seen Doom Patrol? And you haven't seen Doom Patrol? Check it out. And I wonder, because HBO Max, right? It's connected to like the DC I stuff. I wonder how so. that, you know, yeah. yeah. I would not be surprised if that led to the film being picked up by them. Yeah, because I think this movie was like, I, I want to say it was like 2019, because I looked after the fact. And from what I could see, Soderbergh announced this film back in 2019, back when Doom Patrol was coming out. So I think that's probably the the chain of events. That's my educated guess based on my like two minutes of Google searching. But anyway, so no sudden move. It is a grimy period crime thriller it takes place in 1954 i don't want to say too much about the plot but i'll just say a couple of gangsters in detroit get caught up in this massive criminal conspiracy i shouldn't say massive it's so grounded like it's never too big it's never like out of its own control right it's centralized to a few key characters almost in like a a term that gets overused a lot by like a Cohen Bur- to- Brothers sort of way, where it's just like kind of like uh, an avalanche haphazard, of advance. Yeah, haphazard like, criminals. Yeah. Yeah, like just kind of like, it's like people being connected through like just like misdeeds or just like stuff that they shouldn't have been doing in the first place. And then other people who are just like kind of honing in on that and just like, yeah, like I said, sort of avalanches into like a big thing from minor beginnings and. Uh, just you know, just generally like some people's like one, at least one person's stupidity kind of just bleeds into like a, a whole mess of things by the yeah, end. Yeah, it's like you need a backup plan for the backup plan kind of movie. I was thinking of I'm Your Woman a bunch, which is you know that's a '70s period thriller, but it, it felt like that same sort of like hey, let's let's make a crime thriller, set it in the set it in a different decade kind of like it's going to take itself seriously but it's going to be fun too it's going to have little moments that like spark humanity it's going to have really good actors that you don't see enough in movies like that kind of thing i mean i guess in this case don Cheadle, we've seen him blow up of course you know as war machine in the marvel movies but i want to say like before that he was always kind of you know he's always been kind of a side character in a lot of movies i think like that comes to mind the only movie i can think of that he really leads that's like a major movie was like traitor maybe and uh talk to me when did that come out 2009 or 8 was traitor before that then i think traitor was was like 2008 2009 so it was around that time yeah it's around the same time he was becoming like a lead actor and things and stuff then he had the miles davis movie which I like, but I feel like everyone's forgotten that he led and also directed. I forgot about um, that, yeah. But I think it's a good film. I, I remember liking it. It exceeded my expectations. But Don Cheadle, I think he's just always good. Like, I don't think... It's it's very rare for me to see a Don Cheadle performance, and I think, like, oh, he whiffed that. It's just, like, I think he, oh, he totally. brings a, a, a lot of, like, gravitas, but he's also, like, an often very, like, dryly funny actor in a way that I think can sometimes be overlooked. Um, and I think he just... Generally, more often than not, really just brings that that star presence, and it's nice to see him actually in a lead role again for the first he, time he, in a while. I know he proves in this movie that he just he sells dialogue and he anchors movies in a very unique way. I mean, we should have known. Yeah, I mean, we did know, but like like for example, in Avengers Endgame, I mean, the fact that he can sell a line like, "Hey, we're all about that superhero life," 
and just do it in a way that doesn't make everyone in the audience cringe. You know What's what I mean? The, uh, the, the Iron Man 2 line where he's just like, I'm here. Yeah. Get over, like, it was Because he got recasted. You, he's like, I'm right. here. It's done. Let's yeah. just move on with it. And it's like where only he. Just, he yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. One of, one of the great Marvel recastings that I think really worked out for everybody involved, including Terrence Howard. But yeah, for, for this movie, it, like I said before, it's a big ensemble, but this movie never forgets who's at the center of it. And you have him with Benicio Del Toro too, which kind of, with Del Toro, I think the big surprise of this movie is that initially you think like, okay, it's Del Toro kind of doing a character he's done several times, maybe like a combination of his Sicario character with like, you know, like a little bit of it. He's kind of merging a few things here. But as the movie goes on, I was thinking a little bit of like Usual Suspects too, actually. But as the movie goes on, you're like, oh, he's almost playing in a weird way against type. And it's kind of fascinating to see from him. And I think everybody in this movie has like a moment, which at least one moment where you're like, ah, this actor, like when they're with the right director, like David Harbour, I haven't seen Black Widow yet. Things fell through. Didn't see Black Widow with the rest of the film critic community that's been like, all the reviews are already out. But I know people have been talking about David Harbour in that movie being kind of one of the things about it that is actually pretty decent. And uh, I've been hearing pretty negative things about Black Widow for the most part mixed i guess but david harbour i've been hearing great stuff like he's just somebody like people love him from stranger things people love him from um what's that other he, he was in something else kind of recently but it's escaping me um hellboy was it yeah it was hellboy and i remember terrible movie but i thought his performance in that was definitely better than expected at least for me yeah i thought he no fault of the movie belonged to him in my opinion exactly yeah that's how i feel but yeah, just what do you think of this cast? I, I've I've belabored it for sure. Uh yeah. I mean, it's hard to complain. The only performance that, in my opinion, didn't quite work Here for me. In a, okay. You, do you I agree with this or not? Uh, okay. We're about to find out. All right. I I don't think Julia Fox is very good. Ah, uh, I knew it. I knew. I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, I really like this performance. I really like Julia Fox in this. Will's gonna hate it. I See, knew it. So, what surprised me about it was that, like, I mean, obviously, you know, there's uncut gems, and she explodes from there, and it's just like, if there's one director that she should be working with, it's uh, it's Soderbergh, because he is just prone to, like, working with, you know, like, untraditional actors, and, like, people who, like, aren't, you know, always just, like, in the limelight. He he tends to the gravitate towards those type of performers, because they give more naturalistic type of performances, and I feel like this performance... It always just felt like stressed upon in a way that that never felt natural. And I guess in some ways, I guess it's sort of intentional, uh, given how things turn out. But I just never found it to be really honest. Like it, it, it had that kind of like high school quality to it, where it just like all the lines get delivered like this, and it it, it just it, it took me out of the film because everyone else is doing such good work that nah, it just see. Yeah. You're wrong about this one, Will. Well, not wrong. Uh, no, I, like, a lot of people agree with me on this. So, and I, they're actually a lot harsher on it than I am. I don't think she's quite as bad as some people are saying. My thing with her in this movie, and I, I totally disagree. I think that part of her character, and I don't want to say too much, is that a lot of what she's doing in this movie is sort of putting on an act and being a certain way 
to get across a certain thing and to do a certain thing. And I, I will agree with you at first. I was like, oh gosh, like this feels stilted. It feels a little bit like I don't quite understand what's going on with this character. I don't understand why she's delivering her lines like that, but I never thought it was like unintentionally amateurish. I always kind of felt like there was a facade, like a double-edged facade. There and is at times, I think, but I don't think she really sells it. That's where I think we disagree. I, is I, that... I, I would just, I, yeah, I guess we just, I think she pulls it off, but uh, of course it's subjective. Yeah, because like when the like facade starts to break, it never felt like oh wow, like I couldn't see us coming. It's just like all right, so we got to this point already. Because like it just I don't know, like it's it's a type of performance that I think needs to be really layered and complex. And I just don't think she really brings it with this film. And that that comes from a place of disappointment because I felt like she would be a great fit for Soderbergh. And like I said, I've only seen this film and that uh, from her. So you know, I don't want to like say anything about her as an actress in general. I'm just saying I think this might have just been. At least at this point, a fluke. Uh, maybe she'll yeah, bounce back in the next one. Don't spook the producers who listen to our show. They're like, eh, sure. Ashton and Groni weren't into it, eh? We but can't put her I in just, all these other movies. I just thought she was like the one performance that never quite clicked into place for me. Mainly because like I think everyone else is like good to great in this. Especially as you were saying. Okay. Like uh, Don Cheadle is very good in this. David Harper, I think, is really good in this. I think Amanda Simas. Oh, uh, yeah. so good in this i think she's Simons, really good in this she takes yeah. a, a performance or she takes a character who normally would just be such an afterthought you know mm-hmm. for the script but she just like you could tell she brought her notes with her yeah uh and as you were mentioning before bill duke fantastic oh my uh, goodness and so wonderful Brenda to Fraser. see him on screen um, yeah everybody in yeah. here is pretty strong i think uh i, I think okay i will say though and i i i kind of like what ray liotta was doing in this i think it was i actually really, thought he was quite good in this yeah, it's I nicely thought, balanced yeah, yeah i was like oh i you, you're expecting one thing you get a different i thought kieran culkin had a good energy in this mm-hmm. I, I i wish we had gotten a little bit more but yeah i think they're both like aware that like they're in the movie for this amount of time without giving anything away and they're like they're, they're they can go to this pitch because they're not like the leads or they're, they're yeah firmly in supporting so they both have the liberty of like kind of chewing it up in that pulpy way but not like overdoing it because Soderbergh is good about reeling those type performances in uh traditionally um you know there are exceptions of course like Meryl Streep and the laundromat but um <laughs> yeah see that's the thing people need to yeah. give Julia Fox the Soderbergh curve they're like well look at Meryl Streep and you know like what happened there well that's so- the weird thing about so Meryl Streep I don't want to belabor the uh, laundromat conversation, but like the thing about that is that like Meryl Streep gives one of her best and worst performances in that movie. It's very bizarre, but you know, whole other discussion. <laughs> good point. Good point. I, I and look, if we're gonna talk about a performance for me that didn't quite work all of the time, the only one I'm gonna look at, and I hate to say this, my beloved John Hamm. Oh really? I thought he was quite good. I thought he had one good scene. And it's a scene oh, with, between uh, him Noah and the No-Jupe character. Yeah. That's and I'm like, scene. oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is John Hamm. This is Don Draper. This is this is the guy. Like, this... Because when you first see him, you're like, okay, all right. Like, he's back in, you know, it's the 50s, not the 60s. But, you know, it's in Mad the... Men, you see him in the 50s all the time in flashbacks. Yeah. He's got that square jaw. Mm-hmm. It's... it's He's he's working the hat. No nonsense you know? ad executive. Thinks he's the smartest yeah. guy in the room. Is probably right about that. In this movie... I thought he was fine. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he's like the detective. And I was waiting for something. Like, I was waiting for a moment with his character where I'm like, okay, now he's going to ham it up. You know, no no pun intended. I just mean True. his last name. Just, you know, in its own way. I got you. But 
they do something with his character and i'm like well hold on i'm okay with that like sure you know it's this kind of movie that's fine but his performance isn't it's it's not aligned it's like wait wait wait, wait but you were this and how do you what no it's no another actor would have done it better i think or i think that he didn't get the right notes i don't know i think he's doing not to the same extent but basically kind of like a jk simmons and burn after reading kind of thing where it's like it's supposed to be built up to something more or you think it is but then where it leads to is just like oh no it's just leading to this like it's like a fake out basically and i think that's very deliberate and i i appreciate it but i can see what you mean yeah, I was just a little disappointed because I mean, it's I, I was expecting a little bit more, and I think I just let myself, you know, get too hyped up. I thought everybody else in here is pretty strong. I think Noah Jupe is strong in this too, and you know, there were a couple of new newcomers. There were a couple of like new faces that like I wasn't I wasn't as familiar with. So um, I think like I, I I looked for her name in the credits, and I'm I'm blanking on what her name is, but the actor who plays uh, Don, the like secretary. Do you remember that? Character? Oh, Frankie Shaw? Was that Frankie Shaw? No, I'm thinking. I'm not thinking of Don. I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of the guy. Oh no, I'm I, I'm losing it. It was a different secretary, wasn't it? Was it the secretary of uh, Forbert? That might have been who I'm thinking of. Uh, I don't know who you're referring to then. Eh, we'll just let it go then. I don't. Right. I'll have to find the cast list eventually. And uh, no, but I there was there's something that happens with her character involving a blanket. Where I was just like, oh my gosh. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's a good scene. Yeah. Don Don is the secretary who works for, um, I'm th- this is like the wife of a certain character, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Have it all all mixed around. But that's not to say that the movie's too confusing. It, it, I will say there were times where I was like, I don't really know what's going on, <laughs> but I don't really care. Well, I was just like, I knew, I knew enough. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's sort of almost intentional here, right? It's just that I think he is Lack so clued in. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like we know from past experiences that Soderbergh's really good about like some summing complicated things down to like their kind of like baseline specifics, like something like, for instance, like the Oceans movies or like the Informant or more recently like Logan Lucky. Like they can kind of take plots that may have been convoluted and they just like are very like streamlined in a way that's effective while not like sacrificing the characters. And I think this film, I think it's just so focused on like having like a mood and a rhythm that it doesn't really mind that it's kind of like complex and verbose in certain ways. Like I think it's kind of adding to like that like heady pulpiness that's going for uh, in in a sort of retro fashion. And uh, I can see why some people aren't going to dig it, but I think that that added to the sort of sophistication of it that doesn't mind not like sugar feeding things to you that like a lot of character dynamics kind of rely on some subtleties like you kind of have to infer what's going on between like different lesions and stuff like that while also you know getting enough here where you can kind of follow but i do agree with you that there were some times where i was uh especially towards the like third act where i was kind of losing track of like what exactly was going on with who and why this was important for that and stuff like that. And I think almost like the MacGuffin quote unquote that is in here is like almost like an afterthought sort of like, it's just like, it's kind of like a means to an end sort of in a way that I think if it was stressed upon a little bit more, it might've been a little bit more impactful to have a scene like there is in here. But uh, yeah, I, don't know. I, I, I agree and disagree, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, you know, funny enough. I, I do think that like what you're saying to the point of like, 
I guess like the way that exposition is kind of handled in this movie. And like, it, it's not that I, it's, it's, it's a weird thing is cause like the way that they deliver these lines where they're like, well, Aldrich Watkins would never say that. I'm like, you're right. He would never say that. But like, they haven't really given me a reason. Like they don't, they don't do exposition in a way of like, well, Watkins believes this because this thing happened to him and he did this thing. Instead, it's just sort of very matter of fact. And it feels a little bit more organic and it, it feels more of like, okay, this, this is how these characters with the information they have at this given time, this is how they are going to communicate with each other. All that stuff really works for me. So I think that's why the movie, like, even when I was confused and I was a little bit of like, wait, what's the plan? I just, I was always along for the ride. I didn't care. I, I was just sort of, yeah. I was more focusing on what I wanted to focus on, which was, you know, the actual performances, a lot of the cinematography, a lot of the production design, which was really strong. The camera mm-hmm. work was interesting. It was kind of this very the stylistic, fish-eyed. yeah, the fisheye thing, but the fisheye, like they kind of took the, the favorite kind of thing that Yorgos Lanthimos did, but they kind of added like this kind of rectangular filter to the edges. It's, it's hard to describe, but it's it's yeah. different. Well, my thing about it is that I think it looked cool when anyone was in the center of the frame. Whenever like characters like like the camera tilted or panned and like they became blurry, that's where it felt like, okay, I'm not really, I don't, I don't really care when it's like the characters are distorted and it feels like you know, like they're like kind of becoming like a house of mirrors sort of look. Yeah, but, that is. Yeah, I was thinking like almost like a one plane kaleidoscope in a weird way. And if like I don't know like if it has a dramatic purpose and I just missed it, but I kind of felt like it was just more for like establishing the style or the Soderberghisms of it. And so if it was just like for the pure vibes, I guess it was just kind of a mixed bag for me. But um if it is something deliberate to the plot and I'm just missing it, then I'll have to admit my ignorance. There'll probably be a video essay on YouTube, you know, that just sort of like explains it and you're like, you're right. Yeah, that's what it was. But, um, I think for me, I, there were times where I was trying to figure it out. I was like, okay, clearly he's trying to make sure everybody's in the frame and a way to do that is like to get them in the frame, but also to capture like this room and how claustrophobic it is. It's a way to sort of make sure that you see everyone's experience expressions on their faces at the same time when a key moment happens so like when you're panning over and you're seeing someone get into a car you can see the way that the person is sort of seeing a situation that's about to happen there are other times where i think it was trying to capture like the desperation of certain characters how they feel a little off tilt how they feel like they're in the scene but like nobody really is like paying attention to them almost it was stuff like that i was like okay like i i kind of i'm with you movie i kind of get where you're going for there so i was into it um for the most part but i i'll agree that uh there, there were times where i was it was making me think too much about the movie instead of thinking about the movie if that makes sense yeah i mean like i said i, I didn't mind it whenever a character was in the center of the frame during those shots but anytime a character kept walking and the camera made them like a funny looking version of themselves it took me out of it because i'm i'm thinking about the shot and not like the characters in the shot in that respect and the fact that it keeps going back and forth between like a traditional shot and something that's a little bit like funny looking is is admittedly pretty distracting i think overall this thing is very restrained contained it's it's got really great set piece moments but it's simple and it's elegant well-timed very what you see what you get i'm a b plus on this one i think it's a really satisfying little caper 
and I'm really glad I saw it. Really glad it was it was such a surprise because I didn't have high expectations for this based on the fact that I heard nothing about it. I had no trailers, not really any word of mouth, and I just sat down and was like, yeah, I'll watch this movie. It's on HBO Max. Why not? And I ended up being like, oh, I really dig this. I really, really like what Soderbergh is doing here, and I'm, I'm very, very uh, excited for what this could possibly do for Don Cheadle's career and like being more of a leading man. And then, you know, like we mentioned already, like Brendan Fraser and, and everybody here, Julia Fox, who I know you, you're a big fan of her performance in this movie. Sorry, I'll stop. But okay. Will, what did you think of, uh, no said me, what's your final grade? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had more expectations certainly than you did. Um, I, I always tend to seek out the Soderbergh movies. And like I said before, I think by and large, uh, at least three out of four times I, I tend to like, if not love them. Um, uh, in recent years, I think his stuff outside of retirement, like anything after the Nick, I've been more like than love. Uh, I think a lot of it has been more about him experimenting with style as opposed to uh, really getting something uh, fully enriched in terms of like what he wants to communicate with the text. Uh, and I think there are exceptions. Like I think, as you were mentioning before, like High Flying Bird is good. Logan Lucky is good. Um, I, I think Unsane is a kind of pulpy throwback, but also having some some fun things that's trying to communicate. But yeah, I, don't know, I haven't fully loved, I think, anything that he's done. I, I think this is probably the closest I have uh, of the uh, recent stuff, maybe. Like I said, maybe outside of... Um, uh, uh, Logan Lucky, but yeah, I think when I was watching it, I was fully about it, and I, like I said, I love the editing of it. I, I really like the world building that it's able to be uh, contained and focused, but also it has a really enriched sense of perspective, and I like that the, the characters are fleshed out, but we don't fully get to understand all of them at the same time, but it does feel like a lot of thought was put into it in a kind of uh, pulpy, novelistic sense. And uh, I think generally when it works, it's really firing in a, all cylinders and it's very cracking and, and it's easy to enjoy. But I also kind of find myself as I step away from it, not really thinking as much about the substance of the film and thinking more about the style choices and uh, like what it's able to do from a stylistic and acting standpoint. And uh, I, I guess the themes of the film haven't really stuck with me as much as I would hope, unfortunately. So I still like the film a good bit. I'd give it a high B. But I feel like it's it's kind of missing that one thing similar to Zola that really kind of pushes it over the edge into something a little bit better. But all around a, a good film and definitely a solid streaming watch. One that I'm a little disappointed that didn't go to theaters because I think it would be a fun one to watch on the big screen outside of the weird yeah, camera same. angles. So, uh, yeah, a good film. Good film. Definitely one I would recommend. All right. I think people. some people got to see it at Tribeca. So some people got to see it on the big screen. Lucky them. And I think, uh, were there some other drive-in shows I, I've heard? Not that I know of. Okay, that would have been really great. That? Yeah. Yeah. I, make it fun drive-in. But yeah, that is No Sudden Move. Very, very entertaining flick. Uh, it, it's just one of those movies. Like It literally ends with one of those like final paragraphs where to the point where I was like, wait, that's what this was about? I didn't even catch that. <laughs> which i found kind of funny sure. i was like oh yeah yeah that's what this was about yeah i knew that mm-hmm. um but that regardless I, I i think this one's really fun to watch and yeah the, the fact that you can access it pretty easily definitely one of the better films we talked about this week i think although summer of soul really took the prize i think mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of uh my favorite film um that's out this week as we happen to be talking about but 
That is no sudden move. It is 115 minutes long, just under two hours. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.